This episode of the Big Head Chats podcast on the On The Pine Sports Network is brought to you by Mulcahy & Co. Marketing. For all your marketing needs, Gav and the team have you covered. They do it all, including making our website. Check it out at www.onthepinesports.com.au. They also build online stores using Shopify. Throughout COVID, more and more businesses need to go online and Gav can help you do that. Check out their latest store at www.wardrobebythesea.com.au. If you need some help with your online presence, then get into contact with the team at www.mulkay.com.au slash marketing. Now I can actually provide a service for you through the podcast. So mention Big Head Chats while you're there and the guys will give you a free website report on your current website, which gives you an idea of how it is performing with SEO, page load and many other aspects. It also gives you recommendations for changes that can be made. So, uh, yeah, jump on it quick because I can finally give you something, listeners. But for now, let's jump into this week's episode. Let's go. Before we start this episode of the Big Head Chats podcast, uh, all of us here at the On The Pine Sports Network would like to send our love and condolences to Jacinda Barclay's family and friends after her tragic passing during the week. Um, such a leader in, in sport in Australia and, and, you know, particularly women's sport and, and the AFLW as well um, in the GWS inaugural seasons um, and continue to grow the game of AFL in Sydney. So um, such a tragic passing and we send all our love and condolences to her family and friends. Um, secondly, if you hear any dogs during the podcast or you see any dogs um, in the YouTube clip that should be up a bit later, uh, my apologies, uh, the fairy friends decided to, to jump on and, and have a peek at what we were doing. So um, that's just COVID, I think, with the home studios. So um, please ignore the puppy dogs, um, but enjoy the show. Let's get into it. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Big Head Chats podcast. And we have a special guest back on. We finally got him away from the work computer for a bit. Uh, the analytics guy, as he's better off known, Will Reed. Welcome back to the show, mate. Hey, Ollie. Um, once again, as always, I have a stat for you. That's unlike you. <laughs> All right. 8% of people have an extra rib. Okay. Thanks for yeah. that. That's Let it. your mind wander <laughs> and try and know uh, that means dissect that, that how you will. Friend group within your main friend group, one of them would have an extra rib, more than likely. Knowing how big your friend group is, so it'll be at least one of them with an one, extra rib. I wonder which one. That's, a, that's, a, that's actually that's a question I might throw them tonight. Mm. Which one of you has the rib? Tell us now. Yeah, who has the rib? Tell me now. <laughs> um, well, Will, it's, been, it's good to finally talk to you because uh, you've got the full-time job at Aglet there. Do you want to just quickly discuss Aglet and give them a bit of a shout-out to the listeners because um, there's some good things happening there? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things happening at Aglet, a lot of very, very good things happening. Um, I got the job August 27 as the player engagement analyst, so a lot of numbers, a lot of spreadsheets, all stuff I love. Um Currently, right now, the game mechanic is essentially a Pokemon Go, but for sneakerheads. But it is rapidly expanding, and there's a lot of brilliant stuff in the works. Um, 
yeah, very early days, but it's it's going to be an exciting journey. And I'm glad to be a part of that team. Exciting. I'm keen to see what, what you can do because uh, we know you love the numbers, Will. So I feel like you're in your no, element. When you're, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Every day at work, I feel like you're in your element and uh, you're killing it. Now, speaking of killing it, uh, the Lakers and LeBron James and AD got the job done 4-2 over my, the Miami Heat. Um, it was a pretty entertaining series, despite the fact they lost Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic to injuries in game one. Um, Miami weren't beaten easily by any stretch of the imagination and made for an entertaining series despite the fact they're in a bubble and there's no crowd and, and all that jazz. What did you, uh, what did you make of the series, Will? Uh, playoff series that were up there all time. In fact, the NFL was getting better numbers, well better numbers. Um, I think that's largely because of the bubble itself. It's not as fun to watch. And then obviously the heat, missing all their players, you're going up against this powerhouse Lakers team. It's just very one-sided already as it is. So it's, there's only so much you can take from that. And especially when they go up 3-1, it's, yeah, you, you almost think it's going to be over. It's just less excited to watch it. But, oh, it was brilliant watching Jimmy play. It, it was absolutely amazing. It's what we've been waiting for for a long time. I'd never lost faith in Jimmy. I always knew he had that just that part of his game inside of him. And we saw that at Glimpsons at Philly. Sorry, he could do it at Minnesota, but he just has the right surroundings now. And it, we saw it and he's easily solidified himself as a top 10 player in the league for me. No you finally found, the, finally found the culture that seems to suit um, his personality, um, his play, you know, um, apart from the sort of the LeBron years where they were very flashy with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch there. Miami have been known for being that, you know, grit and grind, make it tough. You know, Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, um, back in the day, in the early days of the Miami Heat. Um, you know, even like those days of Shaq and, and D-Wade. I mean, he was the flash D-Wade, but, you know, there's some there's some toughness there. And there's, there's that Jimmy Butler, I don't know, edge to them that they've always got. So he seems to fit them all perfectly, both in the current day and, and historically. So he's finally found that... Um, his niche and I was glad to see him because I was unlike you I'd, I didn't know I, I thought I was going to have to get a, an, another superstar to Miami to be able to make it work and I, I thought Jimmy's going to get them so far which he did in terms of you know the five seed in the regular season I didn't see this coming though um, and you know maybe the bubble helps maybe they'll maybe they'll cut out for the bubble because I feel like in the AFL as well the hub and the bubble you know, it, it affects people differently. It obviously was a positive thing for the Miami Heat um, and maybe not for, you know, teams like the Bucks. So um, I can't wait to see them go again, hopefully with, you know, an extra year for Duncan, an extra year for Tyler Hero, Bam, and as we're going to discuss later, maybe some off-season moves. Well, I'm assuming there's going to be off-season moves, especially for Miami. Um now we're gonna discuss the 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 arguments surrounding the goat debate. Um, <laughs> now you and I both agree we're not gonna discuss who's the goat, are we? We're leaving that out. No, we're not even gonna need to do that at all. There's there's no point even entering that. But more, more I guess just discussing the arguments that some people use or the whole just idea of the debate itself. 
Yeah. So that was more exploring. The, I love how so the finals the finals have just ended, and the immediate direction from the sports media is, all right, who's the goat? Let's go. Like the, the conversation begins, um, which I hate. Like, why are we taking away from the the final series that we've just watched? How the NBA had no, you know, coronavirus cases throughout the entire period. Um, despite having no crowd, I feel like we saw some really entertaining basketball that, you know, basketball lovers are going to love and they're going to sit down and watch. Um, so despite the fact that there was no atmosphere and whatever, um, and it's all just taken over by, or is LeBron the goat now? So I just hate the direction that, that the sports media has gone in with that. Um, give, us some, give, give us some arguments that you've seen that piss you off as a basketball fan, Will. No, there's the obvious one. It was it uh, four and six. Is that yeah? That's, that's, his, that's record. his current that, record now. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, so he's what played seventeen years in the league now. That means within the last seventeen years, LeBron has been in the finals ten times. Yep. In the finals, two teams make the finals. Thirty players make the finals out of what is it? Nearly four hundred and fifty active players in the league, and he's always up the top doing it every time making the finals is a bigger accomplishment than losing in any round prior. Like it's, yes. it's exhausting to get out and making it year on year on year, putting those taxing minutes on your body. We've seen so many players now that just get tarnished by the long minutes that they play. And you see that now a lot of the guys, for example, that came out of that Chicago Bulls team, Blue old dang Joakim Noah that played heavy minutes under Tibbs. They all, their careers ended quite early. Mm-hmm. Someone like Lord Dang could be killing it right now, but he's 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 gone because of his minutes and that. That's a, just a quick example off the top of the head. But the fact that he's also never missed a playoff game, the, the fact that he has been available every single game to play and he's there all the time paying that $1.2 million a year on his body, it shows that it pays off and it shows that dedication that you really cannot make an argument on, but he gets there and loses. If he loses to the however good team, it doesn't matter. He's still there. He still mm-hmm. brought the team to a point where he's at that tip-top peak, you know? And it's not, it, it's not as if once he's at the finals and he just drops off and plays terribly. He's, he averages a triple-double every look, finals he goes to. <laughs> look at the fucking stats and like watch the games and you just, those Golden State years especially, it's, it is Jimmy Butler-esque where it's just, it is LeBron onto them. And it, that's what it was for Jimmy this season. And you're just praying, uh, sorry, this finals, you're just praying that your, your role players and your three-point shooters are hitting shots. So you're pr- praying that Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson are going to be hitting shots for you and Kelly Olynyk, Like, it's exactly what LeBron had. So just the argument just makes no sense. Um, and... Yeah, I just... So then Nick Wright, okay. Let's discuss Nick Wright. So he said... Here we go. Does, does Jimmy Butler making the finals and losing hurt his legacy? And the obvious answer was no, because the run he went on was amazing. His play in the finals was amazing. I mean, game six wasn't terrific, but, I mean, you could tell he was gassed. Um, He'd missed, what, like three minutes in the latest three games combined? Yep. Oh, exactly, exactly. So, and does these so the 
if you're going to say that LeBron making those finals hurts his legacy in losing, then then that means that Giannis has had the better playoffs this year and Jimmy's reputation is now lesser because he's 0-1 in the finals. Like when you and then when you make when you say it like that and then you put it to LeBron, you're like, it's just an unfair expectation that oh he loses so he is that is a failed campaign. It's just ridiculous. Exactly. And you can't always rely on the best player winning every time. There's going to be times where your team's just not there. If, if it's a team of LeBron James and 14 James Jones, right, going up against a super team, what the Warriors had the past previous couple seasons, who's going to win? You know, like it's that stuff matters. If you brought a certain team, well, basically that team of 14 James Jones is almost equivalent to what they had back in Cleveland in his first run. Correct. Like it just shows how much he drags the team, and if they get beaten by a best team ever assembled in that Warriors team, then what? What else can you say? Yeah, it just sucks that there's a team that that's good, and the fact that he won games against them in the first place is impressive. Mm-hmm. You know. So like, I just want to discuss his his playoffs. Uh, sorry, his finals losses, and basically the ones that you can't use as a negative on his career. So the ones that are, uh, you know, similar to this Jimmy Butler campaign. Okay. So 2007, he is playing with a bunch of nobodies and don't like no one. Mo Williams is his second best player. Mo Williams. If you'd never played with that team on 2K, you couldn't name anyone on that team. (laughs) The tall white guy. And Mo Williams, maybe. Besides that, you don't yeah. know anyone else. A young Anderson Verge. Like, come on. Let's go on. Grow up, seriously. So play with them on 2K and you'll realize how not good they are. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the, te- the 2K test. Play with them on 2K and then tell me if they're a good team or not. Cause I reckon it's the 2K test because you have to go to the roster and actually figure out what players do what and yeah. who, just who they are in general. Then yeah. I mean, respect for some of those guys. They're like okay in terms of the overall career, but they're not. They're, they're no LeBron one. Drayden, so I'm not saying they're, yeah, so they're, they're, it's not like they're bad players. They're NBA players and playing in the NBA is really hard. And they obviously played a role well, but when you compare to what, you know, he's up against in terms of the Spurs that year, you know, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manager Ginobili, he stands no chance. And the fact that he got there, um, beat the Detroit Pistons in that year and had that unbelievable game where he, you know, hit the last 25 points, probably more than that, um, you know, to eliminate them. And so it's the Jimmy Butler run and you can't say that losing to that team when he's that young is bad for his career. Okay. So then um, 2011, that's a bad loss. That's a bad loss to the Mavericks. Everyone accepts that. That's the one where, that's, yeah. where you say he, you're at a point there where that collapse shouldn't be happening. Uh, he didn't play well. He didn't lead them the way. And yeah. Chris Bosch has already come out and vocally said himself, yeah, he did not play well. He knows he didn't play well. We, I, like Chris held him accountable. Dwayne held him accountable, said, you need to do better. You need to do this. You are the leader. Mm-hmm. And he learned from that. And then he won two straight championships. It, so then do we just, yeah. So then do we, do we just forget that he came back and won back-to-back championships and led them properly? Like there's a human element to this. You got to, you can't just expect young, he's still a young kid at that point to be able to lead straight away in those big moments. So then he finally learns to do it and it's 
but it's like, no, no, no. Remember in 2011 when he couldn't do it. So is there a human element where there's a natural transition there and growing like, um, the expectations on these athletes are something oh, I couldn't take. I don't think, um, 2014 to finish that Miami run. So wins two straight, loses in 2014 to the Spurs again. Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh were non-existent. Um, we all know that. It was the LeBron show. Um, you know, the rest of the role players were gassed from that run as well. So, I mean, and the Spurs were at the absolute peak of their game in that period. They were just a better team. Just a better They're team. Really, at the end of the day, they were the better team. LeBron, yeah. whoever, or whoever I want to say that was best in that series per se. They're just the better team, the better day, better coach. Yep. Kawhi starting to really emerge as the player that, not to the level that we know today, but getting there and showing glimpses. So, um, yeah, and just the fact that LeBron's two other superstar teammates didn't play well at all. They were bad. Look, Mm -hmm. Go back and look at every possible statistic you can, and they were not good in that series. So, um, 2015 doesn't count. No Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Love. His second best player was Matthew fucking Dalabadova, who we love down here in Australia, but you cannot win a final series against Golden State when Matthew Dalabadova is your second best player. So the fact that they went up 2-1 um, is a pretty impressive feat in itself, I would assume. All, like, there's probably all the, like seven players were better than Matthew Dalabadova. On the Warriors, that you put potentially eight. Uh, yep. Leandro Barbosa, who was on the team that year, would if he was on the Cavs, would be a better player than Matty Dalvado. <laughs> like that, like Sean Livingston, Iguodala, and then the starting five, they, they would all have done fared better than how Matty Dalvado played. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love are healthy for that. The Cavs are winning that championship. As it's shown the next year. Showed the next year. So they win the next year, down 3 1, come back and win. They beat a 73 and 9 team as well. Get that through your head. Up, like, and being down 3-1. So they're, they're, they're down on a team 3-1 on a team that's lost nine games for the year. And then I'm not sure on the exact stats in that playoff run, but they, they didn't lose many games in that playoff run up to that point. They, they may have even swept it. They may have even swept the only way there. One game. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, and so they then proceed to win three on the trot against the team that doesn't lose that year. They've lost just over double-digit losses for the whole year, and you do three in a row. So, amazing. Um, and then 2017, um, still had Kay Love and Kyrie Irving, but with Kevin Durant at the Warriors, it well, did Kyrie, did that you? Kyrie. No, he played. He played, but... Um, there was one year when... Him or 20, Kayla, well, someone had a tweaked ankle or something. Yeah, so 2018, the next year was when Kyrie Irving was out. Um, yep. But that 2017 year, LeBron, just listen to this. So, averages 33.6 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, uh, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks on 56, 39, 65% shooting splits. Uh, just uh, wildly efficient. <laughs> just wildly stupid. Efficient. Stupid. Uh, and then 2018, no Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, the Warriors still obviously going. That's probably one of their better years of the two. Um, Kevin Durant still doing his thing. So, I mean, it finals losses have to have context and you have to grade them on the situation. So I'm going to, I'm going to remember back to this and say, Jimmy Butler, like I'm not, your loss doesn't, isn't a bad thing. You weren't meant to win. 
It's as simple as that. And you took them to six games. So it's an They beat the number team. one seeded Milwaukee Bucks with the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, on the team. They destroyed them. Oh. That, that, they destroyed all three first rounds. Yeah. Beating that Boston team as well, who were just stacked all over with players and everything. He just carried this load. But as well, what people don't mention, Jimmy averaged, what was it, nearly 29 a game, 29 points, nearly nine boards and around 10 assists this series mm-hmm. in 43 minutes. Yep. LeBron's stats were better than that. Yeah. Like they were better. We all talk about how amazing Jimmy was. LeBron's were better. It's just expected. It's the normal. So we don't talk uh-huh. about it. You know, it's almost like he did bad. He held up on the defensive end. He played less minutes. If he played as many minutes as Jimmy would, he would have averaged 40. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that they... They're a good team. They're a better team than Miami. That's why they won. And LeBron's a better player than Jimmy. Like it's yep. Now, now my my uh the next argument that I didn't like in this MJ LeBron debate. So I hear Chris Broussard uh, discuss to Nick Wright in the same program. Um, Michael had no deficiencies. LeBron can't shoot a pull-up jump shot um, from mid-range. And I stopped listening after that because it's like they don't watch or don't look at stats at all. Or just the game in general. Just watch the game. <laughs> like, So one deficiency that was clear is Michael Jordan couldn't shoot threes. Now, that was probably part of the error as well. But he couldn't. But he still couldn't do it. He still couldn't do it. So it's as simple as that. That's his deficiency. He can't shoot threes. And to say that LeBron can't shoot a pull, um, a mid-range pull-up jump shot is just false. He has the two highest field goal percentages from a two-point shot in finals history. So in two of his finals runs, he's had the highest two-point field goal percentage. Look at you Why bringing out was the this year? Look at you bring up I'm an analytics fan. He, one of them was this. It, like, it just happened. It finished the other day. And he's saying yeah. he can't do it. And then so that's when you've got to look at how LeBron plays. He's not going to look at a defender and say, I'm going to dribble twice to my right and then just pull up from the elbow. That's not how, he, how it works. It is, he finds a better shot. It is get the screen, dissect the defense, see what's going on. I'm either shooting a three driving and kicking through a three or finding at the rim, finding someone at the rim or scoring at the rim. Because guess what? They're the efficient shots. They're, the three-pointer is worth more. And at the rim, you're a better chance of getting fouled or scoring the basket. So he's doing the efficient thing. I just don't understand how you can say he can't shoot Because he can obviously do that if he wants to do it. If he wants to do two dribble to my right or to my left and shoot a jump shot from mid-range, he can fucking do that. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Am I wrong, Will? No, no, you're spot on. And we've seen players who can do that in the mid-range. Tomato Rosen, who he's just swept the last 300 years in the <laughs> playoffs. Yeah, Demar's not as good, but it's like, just by guess who? That's LeBron fucking James. Exactly. There are more efficient shots. He knows that if he literally takes a couple steps back, it's worth an extra point. And the the difference in that going in, it's well worth taking it every single time, or just passing it. Someone at the rim, which is a very efficient shot, or he's going to get fouled, which is the most efficient way of scoring yep. at the free throw line. Like it's, he's very smart and he does everything he does for a reason. But I'm going to add to the what you said about Jordan's, uh, what is it, deficiencies? Yeah, that things he can't do. 
he just didn't want to play basketball for a bit. He just stopped. LeBron's already played way more than him. Le- Jordan was like, no, nah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to do that. Walked away. Didn't always come to training at times. Wouldn't put his heart and soul into it. And always do all that. LeBron's, like I mentioned before, $1.2 million a year on his body. Brings up all the youth. Does all this and that. He's... <laughs> That's one of the biggest deficiencies as they come. If we want to rip on Allen Iverson for not giving a shit as well as all these other players. Yep. Yeah, Jordan still had a work ethic when he trained and did all that. But he just sort of, he just stopped playing. And we have to also take that into account. LeBron's almost has played that many seasons while going to the finals as Jordan played seasons in his career. Yep. Like that matters. That frankly oh, matters. Longevity matters. Longevity and and health matters. So in the last dance, which we all obviously watched, Michael discusses that, you know, by the end of that three-peat, that first three-peat, he was gassed. And that's because, you know, there's there's some playoff runs before that. And I have no doubt he was gassed. That's that's hard. They've gone to the S Conference Finals in the two years before they won the first title and then a couple of other small playoff runs before that. So LeBron, so then he has, has a break has another three years, another three-peat after that, and says by the end of that one, he was gassed again, which is fine because no doubt he was. That's a hard run. Three years going to the finals is hard. LeBron's done that. He's had six plus another four with only one year break. Oh, sorry, no, 2007. But it's, so since that initial, since the second one of 2011, he's had nine appearances with one year off. It's just it, it matters. It matters. So you can't you can't use yeah, you can't use that excuse. You just can't. Longevity matters, health matters, and LeBron has done everything that Jordan has in terms of going to the finals and better and more often. Mm-hmm. So and carrying less, I'm gonna I'm gonna add as well. So you know we started this by saying we weren't comparing Jordan. I'm, so, I'm not, so that's the thing. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm saying LeBron is the, is the goat or anything, but these arguments need to be done better by the people that are paid to do it. Mm-hmm. Was that. Now, did you have anything else you wanted to add the, to idiotic arguments surrounding the, the goat argument? <laughs> well, it's, oh, there's just so much. Uh, what you mentioned before about just general health. Yeah. People could listen to this now and instantly be like, all right, Jordan played through a rougher era where the game was harder to play. I 100% disagree with that. <laughs> There's already been scientific things of research done that the, the increased pace of the game, which is unbelievably quick now, lead to so much more technical injuries. Yeah, your body can wear out a bit more over time, but people are still banging for boards just as much. Because it's such a wider thing, people coming inside at a higher speed and getting knocked to create more wear in your body than it generally does. There's easier technical injuries like ankle, uh, twisting ankles and all those nitty-gritty stuff, which is harder. Not to mention mental fatigue. There's no social media back then, nothing like that. No, That's why Jordan could go to casinos every night. LeBron's not going to casinos and everything's LeBron, 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 LeBron. He's not doing anything wrong. He's just donating to charities, looking after his kids. Speaking of LeBron, he's about to get an absolute whooping once Whoop LeBron it. gets home. Back across. <laughs> so, yeah. actually, real quick. So, LeBron posts on his story this morning. He's out with his daughter, chilling with his daughter. I reckon he's 
he's borderline disowned Bronny for a week and said, just let me chill out. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with everyone else first, my daughter, wife, um, and Bryce, and I'm going to get to you later. <laughs> <laughs> he spends 1.2 million of, of uh, 1.2 million a year on his body. And he decides, and his kid's like, I'm going to get some funky junkie from down the street. <laughs> to just have a bit of fun. Do I see Dakota in the back there? Hello, Dakota. No, this is not Dakota. This is the other dog. This is Nala. Oh, Nala. Hello. She's, um, she's running rampage. Now, last point before we, we're going to discuss the finals real quick afterwards, but last point on this. So in the last dance, Michael Jordan said, I'm not playing if Phil Jackson's not my coach. Just imagine if LeBron said that. Mm-hmm. Fuck me. Like, it would, like, seriously, he would be crucified. Absolutely crucified. At, at but for some reason, it's celebrated with, with Michael. It's, Can you expl- I can't explain it. I don't, it makes no it's, sense to me. It's, it's silly. It, it's like for certain coaches and players that can make sense, like Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich type of thing with Ginobili, that could sort of make sense. They've done their entire career and Tim's bloody 40 years old. Yeah, that makes sense. However old MJ was, it was, what, five, six years younger than that. He was 36. He was like, yeah. Oh, a bit, bit less than that, but he still had years left on him. And he even came back. The fact that the team could have won, that they had all the reason to keep on going, unlike people like even Tim Duncan, for example, who just squeezed every last bit of the juice out of him to play. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, I just want, I just want my guy, really. It's yeah. like, no, nah, it's this. LeBron makes things work with who he wants to. He hated David Blatt. Yeah. He still gave him a season. Yeah. You know, he got to the finals with David Blatt. He did. MJ couldn't, MJ could have coached the team himself. He could have succeeded with whoever, whoever else he wanted to. He could have gotten one of his best mates in. I'm sure he could still have gone well, but the fact he just stopped. Yeah. It's has to be talked about. Um, now, Really quick on, on the finals. So I really enjoyed the finals. I thought there was some, there was some, the first two games, Miami just looked uh, not themselves and looked as if they were a bit shell-shocked by the whole ordeal. Um, really hit back in game three. Game four was close, really, really close. Could have gone either way and that could have changed the whole series, to be honest. Um, game five was obviously amazing as well. Could have gone either way. Miami get the chocolates and then, the Lakers just um, smashed them in game six. So um, I wanted to say, so the Lakers, I love the energy of KCP, uh, Rondo for majority of the games um, and Caruso, KCP especially. So, you know, him and, and Caruso and these guys, they they were the brunt of a lot of jokes, a lot of hate, um, but they were the difference makers in the end, just purely off energy because what the Lakers needed in that final series was energy to match Miami and then their, their talent was going to take them over the edge. And in the games where they matched Miami's energy, they beat them. It was as simple as that. And in the games where they didn't, those two, Miami beat them. It's, it's, it, was pretty, it was a pretty simple solution for me watching the series. Lakers match the Miami's energy and intensity. They get them with talent. And that's what happened in the end. Exactly, and that's that's always what the Heat had going to them. They have that that culture and stuff that the the Lakers could match, and they did for the the amount of games that they needed to. And those guys stepped up, and even another one as well, who we 
both aren't the greatest fans of Marquee from RIC. He had his he did his bit as well when he needed to. Yep. Um. Exactly, and like, so so, and that's another little uh, feather in the bronze cap is that he makes these guys. If they bring that intensity that they bring, he's going to make them better. So, um, you know, KCP's probably got himself a paycheck in these finals. Um, <laughs> you know, Rondo's in proven his value. He's still got years to go. Proven his he's value because the IQ's unbelievable. And when he's, when he's firing, on, especially on the defensive end against those good point guards, um, and offensively, he's always going to be, be able to, to get his stuff. Um, he'll be back. He'll, he'll stay with the Lakers. He's not going anywhere. I feel like him and LeBron have just formed a little bit of a uh, partnership there where, you know, in the regular season, mm, as soon as playoff time hits, those two are going to be, are going to be rolling. Um, mm-hmm. What do you make of the what, – what I felt was awkwardness at the end of game six in terms of the celebrations? Without fans, it just felt off the fact that mm-hmm. – the Lakers by 30 at half time made it feel off. Um, I would have loved it if they had a one in game five because that game was unbelievable. And there was just back and forth, especially in that last quarter would have made the celebrations a bit, um, I don't know, a bit better. Didn't make, it doesn't take anything away from the title. The title is, there's no asterisks or anything. But I'm just saying in the terms of the, the celebration, I just don't know if the Lakers knew what to do. Like LeBron was sort of walking around you know, Dwight's shooting threes on the court. And like, do we start celebrating now? Like, what do we do? There's no confetti here yet. Like, we've been up by 30s since half time. What do you, what do you make of the, I don't know, the scenes oh, after the game? It was definitely awkward. It was, I mean, uh, <laughs> even the celebrations, just looking at the cameras, looking off to that side. Yeah, there were a few people sitting off there, but it's still like, it was odd. And everyone could tell that it felt odd and looked odd and, uh, how they yeah they hug and stuff but I'm sure all that they had the, the sounds in the arena which I'm sure would have helped a bit but it's still like where do you go celebrate where do you feed the energy from the videos up on the screen are delayed there's some yeah it was just odd but Davis was like screw it. I'm gonna sit back and cry a little bit so I don't look like I'm being a bit weird but <laughs> it was just odd those certain things like uh, the speeches and stuff as well when you can see Rob Polinka in the background and just nodding and smiling and yeah. Like, yeah, and they weren't on this on the podium and uh just wasn't that atmosphere especially during when they were giving out the awards and reading the awards like there were very nice speeches and what Le- lebron said as well was very powerful given how he wanted the respect that was amazing but it's yeah it, I, I kind of switched it off once it yeah. uh, finished the on-court stuff, I didn't want really to stay around. For and it was years. the only issue in, in the bubble was, you know, no crowd, no atmosphere. Just It just didn't have that same feel as, you know, a regular playoff series would, um, especially in the finals with some of these, you know, tough games. would have It just would have been unbelievable, the crowd and, and the celebrations would have been better. In um, LA as well, like, it would have been, ma- you had celebrities every single yeah, row. would have yep. been powerful, like, very powerful. Correct, correct. Um, so huge props to Miami and Jimmy. Um, just not enough firepower in the end, but an amazing finals run and, and, and series. Um, and huge props to LeBron and AD and the Lakers for, for getting the job done um, for Kobe. Um, now, off-season, Will, this is your specialty at the this moment, uh, the off-season. Um, 
Now, so off the top, the salary cap hasn't been decided upon yet, but um, it won't be going to the expected 115 million that was initially um, decided upon. Um, but I think the rumours are that you know it could stay at the 109 that it is was at for this season. Um, so I mean that still puts teams in some in some decent positions. Um, Miami is is one that's in the box seat to to get some stuff done. What do you, so they're currently paying um, nearly eighty two and a half million next season. Um, still, so they have Dragic, Crowder, and maybe Myers Leonard, who they who are out of contract, who they might want to keep, especially Dragic and Crowder, and you know Leonard, give or take. Um, what do you make of Miami situation? And give me some names or, or some moves that they might look to do. Well, oh. All right. <laughs> big lead up into that. I'm loving it. All right. So big things, I guess, to think of was the fact that they have 82 and a half down on guaranteed salary uh, with Iggy on the team as well. Yeah, he, that, that is confirmed. And it's the team, uh, the team option he has for the next offseason, not this one. But there still would be teams out there willing to take his contract slash if they're looking to trade for a superstar, it's a very valuable piece if you want to bring in two superstars, which although they do not have a lot of pick capital that they can send out, there are a lot of players out there that do make sense for the team that don't hurt any of the core that they have. Someone like a Drew Holiday, um, Sparks Rumors, the Oladipo connection one-two there is very, very strong right now. Um, Definitely a player to keep an eye on in terms of uh, potentially joining the roster. Um, but I've at the start of the season, I was like, yeah, a lot of it would make sense if they did want to move on from Hero. Uh, Bam, kind of a good building block, I personally felt. But after Hero's performance now in the playoffs, you can solidify him being a future star in the league for a number of reasons. So it's like, would they risk trading someone like a Hero for... They're probably not for a... Drew Holiday, but for a bigger star out there, I don't think they would anymore, um, which makes me think they're going to lead towards signing role players and staying with the stars that they currently have. Um, uh, which, then again, the be- some of the best free agents, Goran Dragic, obviously one of them himself, so they'd want to bring him back, him and Jimmy are best mates. So can't see why they wouldn't want to bring him on on a nice team-friendly deal that also keeps a lot of their cap open for their main thing that they're hoping to keep free with the 2021 free agency and luring Giannis away from Milwaukee. Yep. It's the big thing to watch, obviously. It's also on most people's minds and what they're talking about. It Currently, the, the front-runner team when it comes to Giannis going anywhere, and they do have assets if they want to trade, like a... a you give up a Tyler Hero and a Bam at a buy there. If I'm Miami, I don't know if I'd even risk trying to trade and just try to lure him in free agency or anyone else for that matter. But I think they you, you can't probably in the best position right now out of any other team, having two max free agency slots. Yeah, and best. a brilliant young core and Hero, um, Hero with Jimmy there still, Kendrick Nunn, Robinson, all of them, like. They're, they're very set. <laughs> yeah. So if they if they had have won these finals, it would have been like I don't know, just amazing because they you know they win the title and they're still in the box seat to 
to get someone like Giannis. But um, they're obviously in the box seat. Um, and there's a few other teams that are, uh, you know, it's it, uh, it's hard to – so the, the, the period we're coming into in, in the league at the moment, there's some teams there where it's it's seemingly make or break in terms of some moves that could be made in this off-season and next off-season could make or break sort of their short-term future. So um, I'm looking at teams like, you know, the Clippers, Dallas, um, the Bucks. Like there, there's some important moves to be made and, you know, whether they're right or not, you know, it has a big effect on their championship hopes because these are all teams that are in the championship window, um, especially in the next few years. So um, Dallas is one. Um, I feel like they're going to be active in the trade market more so than, than free agency. So they're, they're going to be paying 108 million next year um, already, but have a few pieces there that might be of some value to get that sort of third star in, which they've been openly saying um, they're keen to get in. So do you, have you got any little trades for us there, William? Maybe Tim Hardaway Jr., some of those guys, Maxi Kleber? Well, it, it all stems along the same line. Uh, the, the the biggest need for most teams right now and the most in-demand people are like the, the two-way, two or three guards. Oh, so uh, shooting guards or small forwards, like the guys that can play two, three, four, like the wing players that can play on both sides of the floor or just great on offense. They can just hold their own on defense. They're the ones most in-demand, all the depot, Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, we can even put him into that argument as long, as well as like a number of other players. And that's sort of what Dallas needs. Uh, Bradley Beal, another guy in there who's in rumours. There's a a pretty decent amount of players out there who have that same value contract. Even Eric Gordon, throw him in there. Houston's already come out saying they're happy to chuck him in trade talks. as for the Mavericks, it, it, it's a bit harder because they don't have picks that can part with first rounders as they're all already off to the Knicks in the Kristaps trade. They do have other valuable players in uh, Jalen Bronson is probably their biggest asset that they have there. Seth Curry, because there's a lot of teams that would want uh, good role players like that that can sort of just play off stars, just like we've seen with Duncan Robinson um, with the Miami Heat. And Seth Curry fits that more very well. Um, the hard part is for Dallas is they don't, they do have some other decent plays when it comes to Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell and stuff like that. But there's, I don't know, it might be hard for them to build up enough value to beat some of these other teams because Atlanta, um, New Orleans, and a lot of these other teams, OKC, have an absolute bundle amount of assets that they could beat any other team worth when it comes to trading. Even Miami have other values that, um, beat Dallas that's that's a tough thing for Dallas. the best thing for Dallas is they're I mean I know you know it's a win now industry and that's just sports in general but that they're, they're not in a rush and they shouldn't mm-hmm. be in a rush Luke is is he 22 yet no he, I don't think he's 22 I think he's 21 you know Chris Tapps is only 25 they're not in a rush and they and so they have time where they can you know they can do a few moves here and there which they'll probably do um but, you know, they can probably really set themselves for free agency next year if that's, you know, if that's the class that where all the stars are at, set themselves for that because they have the time to do it. The teams that don't have the time to do that are the Clippers. 
Uh, and, you know, the Lakers, if they want to make any moves and, and the Bucks, they need to do stuff now. So that's the Dallas have time on their hands, um, which is valuable in this stretch. And they have Luka fucking Doncic. So things are going to happen. So that even if it doesn't happen this year, you know players are going to come, want to come and play with Luka. And from all accounts, Chris Stapps is a great teammate as well. So Chris Stapps... Rick Carlisle, great coach as well. Rick Carlisle, all-time coach. So they have all the pieces. They just need to not rush and make bad moves, um, which could put them back multiple years, which you don't need when you've got someone like Luca. Definitely. And when it comes to the 2021 free agency right now, which is what they're sort of holding out for, because there are a lot of stars there. Yeah, a lot of those players in there now look like they could just re-sign with their teams, but there's still the Giannis, uh, Paul George, Kyle Leonard um, types of people out there, and they all are high-level players. That We've seen shock signings in the past. There's no reason why someone wouldn't just come sign again. And the players that they have on the roster uh, is essentially their exact same team minus Tim Hardaway Jr. in terms of just good role players. The team's going to be the exact same come that off-season because they have everyone down and they have a max slot. So it's like, why jeopardize trading for someone now, say a DeMar DeRozan or mm-hmm. someone like that, who they could probably afford or Aaron Gordon. Or, so why give up some more assets when you can just wait a year? Yeah. Like it, it's, it, there's really no big immediate rush. Yep. Like you said, unlike those Bucks or the Clippers teams who really do need to make a move, especially the Bucks. And yep. you can almost pencil in guarantee that they're going to be getting a guard, Eric Bledsoe's out the door. Yes. I've already uh, sitting pretty comfortably thinking and knowing it's going to be Chris Paul. They're at least going to make the play for it, which you have to do because, you know, they they do have to. And they're probably, I feel like Giannis is going to, Giannis is a, he's a patient superstar. And I feel like he's going to give the bucks every single last chance to get shit done around him. Um, But you can't just keep, bringing back the same guys and just running it back. You need to, now you're giving him a couple of years with the crew they've got, just need to, you know what you need to add, you know what Giannis wants, get it done because, you know, he can only stay patient and loyal for so long. And he's going to, he's one of the more patient ones out of all the superstars in the league. So they have some, uh, some moves to make. Now the free agency pool has, I feel got, it's not great, but some of the role players in it have added some value uh, in the playoffs. You know, um, one off the top of my head is, is Paul Millsap. So had a good playoff run with Denver. Was the key in some of their in their wins, in some of their comeback wins over the Clippers especially, he was the guy that was getting it done and starting that run and then handballing it over to Jokic and Murray and, and letting them finish the job. So he's one that, you know, could add some some value to a team. Um, you know, I like Austin Rivers. He's another guy that had a, had a decent player from with Houston. It's a tough system to play in, but he seems to make it work more often than not. He's got a player option next year. Um, Gallinari, he's openly said he wants to win a championship. It's not about the contract anymore. So that, you know, he's obviously going to be a great fit somewhere. Um, you know, and he's run with OKC this year, along with Chris Paul, really upped his value, no doubt. Um, and then the guys that we were liking from the start um, before the bubble even began, so, you know, Bertans, Van Vliet, um, Montres Harrell. Um, so some of these guys 
you know, have really added their to their value. So it's actually sort of an exciting free agency class because while it's not the superstars, these are the guys that are going to help teams win championships. And if you sign the right guy at the right time, he's going to help propel you into a finals run potentially. So what do you make of some of these guys and, and, um, and where they could possibly land? Oh, well, yeah, there's, there's a few good key ones out there and a lot of rumors already sparked. Uh, I forget if you mentioned uh, Jeremy Grant. Sorry, Jeremy Grant as well. Yep. Very, very run. big one. Who is going to get a bag? He's going to get paid. And yep. it's hard for Denver now because of how well he did play in the playoffs and their cap situation, how it already stands with two max contracts, Will Barton's paid and uh, other guys in the league in the team that they already have a bit of money to slash yeah, I have to look forward. Like, Bol Bol and Michael Virginia are eventually going to probably need bigger contracts and stuff like that. Um, he's a guy that will get paid, and there are a number of teams around the league, Atlanta for one, who are very going to go very, very hard after Jeremy Grant. Do you, uh, do, do you think KD was watching Jeremy Grant hit all those threes and just jump shots <laughs> in general, just being like, fuck this dude? <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he, KD's come out and he's spoken a lot about you know the the lack of shooters in those OKC years and you know lack of trust in them shooting consistent jump shots and Grant was one of them and then all of a sudden now he's at Denver he's, he's built that jump shot up and it was it made for an entertaining playoff run because you know he was that just another option and he's athletic and he, then he can you know, get to the rim and fake and drive because people are gonna are gonna contest his shots. So I think KD was sitting back, like, "Fuck this dude, man." <laughs> It'd be worse if Andre Roberson started raining threes. That'd be <laughs> that would be shocking. <laughs> Good to see him back on the floor. On a side note, good to see him back on the floor. Actually, yeah, exactly. Um, there are a number still of other players to watch out for. Goran Dragic is one really big one to watch out for. Like, like so we mentioned, where, where do you think Goran goes from here? So. He obviously loves Miami. He loves he like Jimmy fits the the mold of what Miami is in terms of toughness and and grit and grind and all that stuff. He's old. He's getting into his mid thirties now. Um, he was on a big contract previously. I mean, I feel like he's the kind of guy that would take less to stick with Miami and allow them to get a free agent. And pay them the max. Do you, do you see, or because he was so good, so he's worth the money, but it, I feel it's going to be hard if they want to pay. They're going to have to pay Bam eventually. They're going to have to pay Harrow and Robinson better contracts than they're on at the moment. Do you see Goran doing that? Do you see him being the that taking less money now to finish his career in Miami and, and trying to win a title? Well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: think of it like. And we've seen players do this in the past. Um, the KCP, as an example, now at the Lakers, take a big, big contract out front, just short-term, big contract. Say they give Goran right now 25 mil on a one plus one with a team option, right? Mm-hmm. 25, even 28 mil, right? They just overpaying this year, knowing that there's no one in this class, in this free agency that they really just want to go after, mm-hmm. right? They could sign him for that much and still use the MLE, which is like seven to nine million dollars get one other role player and their teams, their teams all back. All, all their teams there. He's on that one year deal. And then they're like, okay, if we overpay you this year, then in next year's free agency, would you still come back for a minimum if we overpay you this year? 
and then the year after or something like that. So effectively, he's still getting paid 12 to 12-ish million dollars over that span in total per year, which is what he could get anyway. But this way, it allows him to also get another star. Mm-hmm. And that same thing happened with Contavious Caldwell Pope. He had, what, two years, three years worth of 20 mil, 18 mil, 14 mil with the Lakers. And now he's getting paid a little bit of that just doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're going to pay you up front now in like a, if you will come back to us later on, it's sort of just like, yeah, we'll pay you now. Come back later. It's what Philly was trying to do with JJ Reddick, but he just had a really good opportunity for him in New Orleans, which obviously is a risk, but he has that great relationship with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and the Heat organization that something like that can work for him. Mm. Obvious downsides to that is that they can't go and get these other role players that they may want to get, but it's a, it's a very smart approach and it would not surprise me if that's what ends up happening. Yeah. I feel like they're going to, they're going to find a way to make it work. They're going to find Pat Riley that, you know, they look after their guys. They're going to find a way to, to make it work for both. Cause I don't think Goran wants to go anywhere. I feel like and the heat obviously don't want to lose him either. So, you know, you don't see that much in the NBA apart from like a, you Haslam who gets paid the minimum, just to be a locker room guy, but I don't feel like you see often, right? Let's help each other. We're, you know, got a great partnership, and let's you know, let's get this shit done and win a title. So, got a bit of a got a bit of an Australian feel to it. I feel, um, you know, in the AFL and whatever, just taking help that me bit, help you. Take yeah, take that bit. You know, maybe take a little bit less money and the Tim Duncan contract. The Tim Duncan contract, yeah. So a little bit more of that, which which I like to see. Um, All the Dirk Nowitzki. No, Dirk never took much of a pay cut, actually. It was more team. Yeah. yeah. Towards the end of his year. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, actually, the quietly that with Goran Dragic, the, the hard thing is for the Heat, there will be teams that do have cap space that will offer him a lot on a long-term contract. Yeah. Dallas will. Yeah. You could bet, bet everything on it that they will. Atlanta, again, cap space in the world, young players galore, could offer him a Heat. The Knicks will just throw money at anyone. So it's like, why? Why wouldn't they? He's a good looker, locker room guy. Yep. The Bucks could look for a sign and trade. There's, there's a lot of teams out there that would really like to have Goran on the team. He has an injury, yeah. But I don't know how serious this injury is, but he still provides value, nonetheless. But he, I, I, I do see him staying, but he's going to be probably one of the biggest. Talks he's going to be sought after, and that, that's the exciting part about this free agency class is that there are guys now that were always going to be, you know, there's always going to be someone that's going to pay them. But now after this playoff run, they're, they're really sought after and they've probably earned themselves an extra few million. Um, and Goran probably leads the pack, but you know, all these guys are now even more valuable. So it, it just creates a bit more, a bit more storylines around this free agency class that when you look at it on paper at the beginning of the year, you kind of thought, Hmm, not heaps happening, but now there's some teams that are going to be able to pick these guys up and make for an interesting season um, next year. Now, Montrose Harrell and the Clippers, that's one of the most interesting storylines going into free agency because the Clippers at the moment are paying just over 115 and a half million next season. Harrell's out of contract. He's sort of the main guy they have to pay. Are they going to pay him? I feel it'll be a sign and trade. It'll have to be a sign and trade with Harold. There's no need for them to pay him 
as much as they're going to. One, they're already paying Zubak a, a, a lot of money. <laughs> what is he, 8 to 10 mil? For him, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the two max contracts from your stars. You've got Lou. You've got Pat Bev contract. And then you've got other role players and stuff that you have on other contracts. And then you'll eventually pay Shamit. I, I can't see him sticking around unless he's like 10 to 12 mil. It, it'll obviously depend on the market and who really wants him. But my mindset right now, and after hearing the reports of hell, the chemistry in the locker room finished the season, mm-hmm. I think he's out of there in some type of sign and trade that they'll have to make it work like that because I think they have his rights. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. But the, the other thing you've got to think about is, so it de- depends on who's going to coach them, I feel, as well, because Doc, the way that they were playing under Doc, Harold couldn't be on the court and, and the lineup that they were going with, it just, it wasn't working and the stats proved it. And then it proved in there, you know, bearing out in the second round. So I feel like he fell out of favor in terms of the on-court production as well, because his numbers just weren't as good. And he was, you know, the lineup with him in, it was becoming a negative. So, you know, do they, now that Doc's gone, and Doc's obviously one of those guys that's like, I'm going to roll with my guys no matter what. Like, we'd live and die with what we've got. Um, you know, does a new coach come in and say, right, if Harold's a neg- negative, get him out. We, you know, do the sign and trade. Or, you know, do they say we're going to find a way to run this new system with him in it? So, I'm with you. I feel like maybe a sign and trade, but I just think they're not going to, not going to go with it. I don't think ownership wants them just to pay him his money and then just roll it back. Mm. It's just not the right thing to do. And what the market is for, for Harold, for me, he's not too much different on someone like an Inez Cantor. Mm. They're those beasts down low that can get their shots off down low. They don't provide you much on defense. Harold's not a great defender. He doesn't have great passing vision. Doesn't have a lot. He's, he's a lot more athletic and can do things like that. But in terms of style, it's like if you put Inez Cantor on that team, he's, he's they're still not going to play him as much. And Cantor only got paid five mil in the off season himself. And yeah, who's going to pay Harold? Who needs a Harold? Like who God. needs a center, let alone a, like a Harold? Like, yeah. Guys like Harold and Beverly, guys like Harold and Beverly, they seem like they're amazing defenders because they carry on. Mm. But really. Beverly not- shit. <laughs> we could be one him. guy that goes there. We're not definitely. We're not going to start the Beverly debate because I'm, I'm going to flip my lid if we do. Um, you know your stance on <laughs> Now the, the coaching market is one of the enter- most entertaining we have seen in a long time. Um, so five teams are still without a coach: Indiana, uh, the Clippers, Houston, OKC, and New Orleans, um, and then another four were in search of a coach and have, have now completed their their search so Brooklyn, Chicago, New York and the 76ers um, there's some good names you know still there for these teams to pick from so a few Kenny so former coaches are Kenny Atkinson, Brett Brown, Nate McMillan um, you know Jeff and Stan Van Gundy, Mike D'Antoni, Mark Jackson, Mike Brown um, Jason Kidd and then there's some um, you know, Becky Hammond's been interviewing for jobs as well so I think she is definitely one that she's been in talks for coaching jobs for a couple of years now. So I feel she's close. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if she gets one. Um, 
Darwin Ham as well. Um, I don't know. Do some? Do you just keep going with guys like Mike D'Antoni? Or do you, the teams just keep hiring him? He's, I mean, he's, he'll get a he's job. A very but good coach. He's, he he's so he's a good coach, coach, and he's going to get a job. But I don't know. Do you do you change the mold and just and see what these successful assistants from good um, franchises and see what they can do? Do you, um, we've seen ups and downs with that exact thing? Yeah, uh, Luke Walton. He's been average. Alvin Gentry. Second most successful coach in Sacramento Kings history. Luke Walton. True. True. I gave you that stuff. You did. <laughs> One of my favorites from the Kings organization. One of the best. Not a lot to be happy about there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it can be ups and downs from that. There are a lot of big positives you can take from having these assistant coaches come out, but compared to a proven coach. But for D'Antoni himself, he is a winning a winning guy, and we've seen that for however many years. He makes he brings the best out of these guards. He shoot best guards, and that's why the Indiana connection came in because they're like, okay, he can turn Oladipo into this unreal player. But it's like, which is what they may need as well to keep Oladipo. They might need mm-hmm. that coach to be like, you're yeah. my guy. It may entice him to hang around. It really mm-hmm. may, but it's it, it's a hard one because it's I, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of teams I could see him absolutely kill it at but he just needs that right uh coaching group that's going to help him on defense where it needs to because he has he, he plays his offense that stems from playing defense a certain way and it's being able to let certain shots come so that way they can get rebounds and certain points on the floor and having players already leak out down the floor so it's just two skip passes away and the score within three seconds but there are certainly a, a number of coaches that could yeah now, if uh, Jeff Van Gundy, if he coaches <laughs> as well as he sounds in the commentary box, someone hire the man this in- instance. The Clippers need to sign Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> I, I, there's I, I, actually I, I, some, there's some legit legitimacy to it because, I mean, he's the con. Like, with say with teams like you know the Sixers now would have Doc, but you know teams like that where they have. They have most of it. They just need, I feel, a new, fresh set of eyes from the outside that that has analysed it and has a clear vision of what they need to do to get that extra step. Someone like a Jeff Van Gundy is someone I would like at a team like the Clippers, where he's coached successful teams. Um, you know, he's helped coach in the USA system where there's every single superstar under the sun and and has watched these teams play for, for so long. So that new fresh set of eyes that has been, has been analyzing without maybe even realizing it, he's been analyzing those teams for the whole year. So maybe he's the guy that suits them better. I like the Jeff Van Gundy. I've just talked myself into it. I've talked myself, Jeff Van Gundy should be coaching the Clippers next year. It's done. He should be. He's, he's a very well-respected coach. He's just, he, he will hold his ground, especially when it comes to guys. Like, just that, t- that whole locker room in general and that culture there, just, they were too big for their britches. And we saw that on the sidelines. Just, he would tell them to shut up if they were doing some of the stupid shit that they did. I don't know if they'd do it publicly, but he'd be like, look, one fucking jack shit. You have no right to be doing the shit you're doing. He, he would hold them all accountable. And I do like the, just the way he knows to be able to incorporate stars into a system and tell players to be able to 
get the best out of them they can, as we've seen in Team USA and doing all that. He, he really is the right fit for the Clippers, I think. How, how many times do you reckon Kenny Atkinson's name has been thrown into the New Orleans pool because he can coach young teams really well on New Orleans or a young team? Just Which he can, but, you know, that... That's uh, apparently that's all Kenny Atkinson can do is he can coach young guys. So you can get him in, it will coach we'll the young guys the until they're really good yeah. and then piss him off and get someone else in to, to finish the deal and coach the championship. <laughs> oh, I've heard so much of that. I do love Kenny Atkinson. Though, I do but... it too, but apparently he can only coach young guys. That's all he can do. <laughs> he can do a lot more than that. He's a, he's a very good coach. Very I'd, respected coach. I'd, hmm. He would have been good for, for Kyrie and KD. I can't believe they... Oh. I mean, I, they've got Steve Nash now, who I think is going to be amazing. I like the Nash signing. But, the, you know, how they fired Kenny Atkinson made no sense to me. You, you've signed these two free agents, one of whom you knew wasn't playing from the start. He's hurt his Achilles. He's not playing. I, what did you expect? I mean... Why even keep him around for the year? Well, yeah, just sack him from the, at the start of the year if you're going to sack him midway why, through the year. Why waste his time and your time when you could be trying something see, to see what players... Like, if they, if, say if they got Nash when they got Steve, um, Steve Nash at the same time they got Kyrie and KD, they could have at least had Nash's system trialling with these other role players on the team to see who fits it well, who can play well with these guys. And Steve knows he's been in the league while both KD and Kyrie are playing and he's been watching and he, he's been on the Warriors locker room while KD was there. Like he's trained yeah. with him. He, he knows how they play. So he would know who fits along well with them. And I'm sure he still would now and would have a good feel, but he could try his system already with the team and they've just wasted a whole year. They, they played very well with the roster that they had. The only downside was that they played bad when Kyrie actually played, but I think that's just Kyrie because he's an idiot. And I don't think it's anything that anyone didn't expect. I didn't expect Brooklyn to be good with even with Kyrie come in because he's not a guy that can lead a team, and he's proven that. Like he's not. That's not his go. He needs his LeBron. Excellent number two. Say that again. Excellent number two. Yeah, excellent. Like, great number two. But I don't think anyone expected Brooklyn to even with Kyrie to be in the championship hunt. Any better than they were. Yeah, exactly. Any better than they, or, than they were. But obviously the Brooklyn front office did or they could see the Steve Nash thing coming. So they fired him early, which, you know, probably has some merit. But, yeah, that made no sense to me. I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, so he's going to get a job. There's no doubt about it. He's uh, yeah, sure. he'll he'll really be somewhere. Yeah, too good to not be. Uh, well, Will, analytics man, I'm glad you could uh get away from the desk, get away from from the big full time job, and uh and jump on the problem we made. It's been great to to chat, and we're gonna do this semi regularly because there's some um big news coming obviously in the NBA and, and lots of off season moves. You're gonna get a mock draft up onto the on the pine. Uh, website as well. Yep, mock draft and a big board to get some insight into the upcoming players. Um, yep, that will be much value because yeah, I've got a lot of mates myself that I know will be relying off my board. To yeah, so uh, keep an eye out for that because um, it is a really interesting draft. In the same way with free agency, there's no superstars um, when you when you know on the initial look, but there's some players there that are going to be able to help teams, um, you know, 
with that and be a good role player for, for a long time. So that's the kind of draft we're dealing with. So look out, look out for that on the On The Pine uh, website. Um, and we'll, we'll chat soon, my friend. It's good talking to you all.